the IBM Cloud Podcast, coming to you every show with information about new capabilities and releases. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IBM Cloud Podcast. We are hosts from the Offerings team here at IBM Cloud. My name is Ian Lynch. And this is Steve Shokat. And today we have as our guest, Carl Swanson. Now, Carl is an offering manager with the IBM Cloud team. Carl is responsible for Cloud Foundry. Hey, Carl. Welcome. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, and Carl and I have known each other for like many, many years. Carl, I, yeah, th I think Ian jokes that I always start off with the easy questions so that he can ask the hard ones. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm going to start well, with just... That or a quote, Steve. Uh, okay, yeah, I do, I do always have a lot of quotes. Okay, this yeah. time I don't think I have any quotes, so I'm going to start with the easy one. So just at the highest level, what is Cloud Foundry? So uh, Cloud Foundry is a method, uh, a system, a platform for a platform as a service, basically a way for organizations and users to create applications and quickly get them on the, on the web, uh, cloud hosting, focusing on um, the part that matters to them, the business logic that's important to them, and not uh, having to worry about a lot of the underlying infrastructure. So you're pretty good. You actually got my next question, which was why it was important, because you said that you help with, uh, you know, it, it allows uh, users to focus on their application and not the structure underneath. Um, yep. How long has IBM been involved with the Cloud Foundry Foundation? Yeah, so IBM started pretty much from the very beginning when the foundation was first put together to curate basically this past technology. They've been a, a strong partner uh, all the way through five, six, seven years now, um, and it's been a it's been a good ride and very beneficial. I think not only for the foundation, I hope we've contributed, but also very much so for IBM. So, Carl, like with Steve as well, myself and your stuff go back a long time because. Back a couple of years ago, I ended up as part of the what is now the IBM Cloud team, but it was back as Bluemix. Mm -hmm. um, and as part of that, I remember selling Bluemix and talking to clients about Bluemix and always positioning it as this out-of-the-box developer experience. Is that that's still the case today, right? So from what you're describing, it helps with all the underlying foundations of everything you need as a developer to get up and going, correct? Yes, yes, a a absolutely. Bluemix, of course, um, is now called IBM Cloud, um, but it does very much the same thing as it always has. It provides a bunch of compute types, a bunch of services and technologies to allow uh, organizations and developers to quickly bring uh, application cloud solutions um, hosted online. So it's uh, various computes like Cloud Foundry, um, Kubernetes containers, serverless, and then a, a large range of services as well. So Carl, the reason why I kind of wanted to ask that question again was, right, because back then I always felt that it was, right, but it was more geared towards the small to medium business to get them up and going to have to remove all the dependencies that the developer needs to worry about. But recently we released something that puts Ian's mind totally at ease and kind of turns on his head what he was actually thinking about, right, with CFEE. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Or even explain what CFEE is? I know I sure, don't sure, sure. for acronyms. Yeah, now we of course love our acronyms. So CFEE is an acronym for Cloud Foundry Enterprise Environment. And that is a new methodology or way for us to host uh, Cloud Foundry like we have for a long time um, uh, on the IBM Cloud. So we've had uh, Cloud Foundry Public, which is where people can use uh, consumption-based uh, hosting and uh, host their applications 
um, you know, in, in the public space, like, like many other vendors. Um, there's been a dedicated version, which allows people to section off their own um, Cloud Foundry instance, essentially, for increased security and isolation. Um, uh, IBM Cloud Private or Cloud Foundry <coughs> Private, which uh, is basically an on-premises solution, uh, allowing people to run things in their own data center and still have the same IBM Cloud experience. And then, of course, now we've added Cloud Foundry Enterprise Environment, which takes the dedicated experience and really pushes it to the place where it allows um, self-service, on-demand uh, deployment by organizations at a rapid pace, um, complete admin control, and a whole bunch of other stuff like that. Yep. I feel like I've led into my next question really easily then as well, because the, the bottom line of this, car, right, it's all about isolation, which brings it back to the point that I made that I felt when it was in the multi-tenant environment that it wasn't okay for all workloads, right? So only certain workloads can run in that multi-tenant environment as opposed to what runs in more isolated or dedicated or what now is Cloud Foundry Enterprise Edition or Enterprise Environment, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, that's absolutely correct. Many workloads um, can, can benefit from working uh, in a, a public space. Um, it really depends kind of what you're looking at, uh, whether it's kind of development work, it's test work, it's kind of proof of concept, or, or quite actually, um, we have quite a few people running uh, production workloads directly in public. But when a company decides that what they're running uh, on the cloud needs a high level of secure isolation, they need to section their code off from other uh, organizations or people to make sure they get the compute um, CPU load they need, special network concerns, um, or, or basically that kind of security that comes with uh, various types of um, regulatory compliances, that's when they tend to decide they need an isolated solution and that's where enterprise environment comes into play. So why would they choose uh, enterprise environment versus private though? It sounds to me like they're kind of both the same and that they both provide uh, a, you know, a very strong level of isolation. Yeah, yeah, exactly correct. So um, they are very similar for a very important reason. You know, uh, it, it's basically, at the end of the day, uh, similar technology, right? The Cloud Foundry um, offering is the same, essentially, in both offerings. Um, some companies can decide, you know, we like cloud. We don't want to run necessarily our own data centers. That's become a, a strong push in the industry. Um, we accept the security and isolation that a cloud vendor provides, and that's going to work very well for us, right? Other companies decide um, whether, you know, just, just depending on what they're doing, they absolutely cannot accept any kind of cloud hosting from another vendor. They like the cloud technology and the cloud infrastructure. They just can't have it off-premises. Um, certain very secret uh, type government work and other things like that, um, they just decided they want to keep it on site themselves. So that would be the difference between... Um, you know, an isolation solution run by IBM with enterprise environment or the uh, alternative on-premises version, which is the private version. So either uh, I as a, um, a customer, uh, Carl, can either host it for me or I can host it myself. It'd be those two. Yeah, c correct. Yeah, IBM would host it for you or IBM would still host it for you, but it would be on your machines in your environment. Cool. Yep. So, so we... Um, we've got Cloud Foundry on top, on top of Kubernetes. Now, why wasn't, I mean, why did we make that change? Why was where we were before not enough? 
So it wasn't so much that it wasn't good enough, not at all. The solution that is was uh, installed and running um, like it does on public today on uh, hypervisor virtual machines it, it is quite mature and um, really, really gets the job done quite well. The change over to Kubernetes is basically, um, at, which, at Kubernetes, which is what Cloud Foundry Enterprise Environment uh, is built on, um, is basically a change in the industry where it's a tight focus on containers. Cloud Foundry has always used containers under the covers. It creates containers and deploys them. And Kubernetes is the infrastructure beneath that that runs on containers, um, creates a secure uh, server clusters, and allows more fine-grained control under the infrastructure that some customers um, are, are looking for, right? So not only do they have a quality PaaS, which for many customers is more than enough, they don't need to know much about the infrastructure, other companies need to know quite a bit about the infrastructure, and they really have kind of those sophisticated wiring concerns, networking uh, requirements, and Kubernetes allows them to do that quite sophisticated and put together kind of complex solutions that are still basically understandable and easy. Okay, so, so it takes care of some things for me, or, or gives me the opportunity to take care of some things that maybe in general, I, I with without it, I wouldn't be interested in taking care of, I guess. You know, that level of yeah. granularity. Yeah, to some extent, yep. So, Carl, talk me through the experience then, right? Okay, maybe not the experience, but more the buying experience. That mm -hmm. When do I get on and think, okay, I'm going to need a Cloud Foundry Enterprise Edition over something else, or what kind of workloads are being driven towards where there's a need for it? Yeah, so the experience behind deciding what you need really comes down to um, really for a lot of customer, for a lot of organizations, you know, and let's go back a few years in history, they have applications. Um, and, you know, if you go far back far enough, they were installed on DVDs and, and shipped to customers. Then people start taking the cloud journey. And it's not even so much about creating applications and putting them in the cloud. It's just as much and very much just as important as transforming the way you do software to kind of a rapid, agile technology. It's not about shipping a, a DVD every 18 months. It's about you have a defect in your code and you could uh, change it and fix something in 45 minutes, right? You can go ahead and deploy a very fast change to the cloud. So it's a real mindset change, right? Uh, around using PaaS, Cloud Foundry, and, and kind, of, uh, kind of the range, right? So when you eventually decide that you need that kind of cloud technology, a kind of rapid uh, uh, interfacing and rapid change capability, you look around, and you decide how you want to host things, right? And when when you eventually decide, you know, PaaS looks like a good solution, and Cloud Foundry is used by many many corporations um, and many cloud vendors, so it's a very popular piece of software from a PaaS perspective. Then you have to decide, well, what kind of application is it? Where am I in my journey? If I'm just playing with it, let's throw it in public, no problem. If it doesn't have a lot of security requirements, public's going to work fantastic for me. The rates of uh, consumption is very consistent. I know exactly what it's going to cost. It scales very well, right? And then eventually, um, either you or other organizations have to ask the same question, how far do I need to go in the privacy um, direction, right? Do I have critical um, customer data, you know, airlines, banks, things like that? Very important. We find airlines and banks quite typically are looking for that um, 
uh, that dedicated isolation kind of solution that uh, uh, enterprise environment brings. So it's really kind of a conversation around where are we in our maturity? How far do we want to move onto the cloud? Which direction do we need to take from a security perspective as you make those decisions? It's interesting. You've got me thinking here, Carl, about, you know, you, you said two or three times, you said airlines and banks. And I know what a bank has because the bank has all of my money. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what an airline has that makes them want to think they need to keep it private that a retailer doesn't have. Oh, and and, and certainly healthcare should be in that list too because I don't really want to share that either. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry, you're absolutely correct. Health, healthcare is also one of the very large ones. If you think about for a minute, think about yourself and what you experience in the world and what applications you use, right? Do you want to have your bank um, uh, store your data securely? Typically, the answer is yes. Do you want your airline to be secure? Do you want your payment information to be secure? Health uh, care, um, all the different requirements that are coming along in healthcare around the world in the United States. How much are you concerned about making sure that you guard your um, customers' data, right? We see a lot of um, um, you know, hacking and, and, and break-ins and stuff from companies that admit that they've had uh, security breaches. So clearly, it's a, it's a strong um, influencer as people decide how to um, protect data. Yeah, and I can imagine a lot of it is tied to my, um, my credit card. You know, if I'm going to pay for my airline, if I'm going to pay for some purchase of whatever, then, it, you know, I want my credit card safe. Okay. Yeah. It, Go ahead. No, 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 exa exactly. And what's actually kind of really nice is an organization can decide, um, you know, how much of the technology that I'm putting online needs to be highly protected and how much doesn't. There are typically solutions where only a, a fairly small fraction of the applications, right, the, the kind of modern, agile microservices technology, which is so prevalent in, um, uh, in uh, cloud software today, only certain ones of those microservices need that high protection. The rest perhaps can run on a public cloud, right, and then tie in together, taking advantage of lower rates, because, you know, that isolation does come with a cost. It's an important cost for people, and, and they do, you know, want to pay it readily because they're getting something strong from it. But you can actually balance your application and use both public and kind of those isolation technologies together to um, carefully control costs. Hey, Ian, that sounds an awful lot like some of the episodes we just recorded with run your data and run your workloads where you want and based on their specific needs. We did pretty well there. Uh, Carl, you talked about, um, you know, isolation. The, one of the, the you listed four. You listed public. You listed dedicated. You listed private, and you listed enterprise environment, which I confess I've gotten wrong two or three times. Uh, dedicated is it going to stick around? So the dedicated um, technology that we've uh, developed um, very early on, as we said before, you know, we, we we put the Cloud Foundry technology in place on IBM Cloud, and you know, IBM Cloud, you know, saw immediately they needed kind of a dedicated. Um, solution. So they, they put in place what was a, a very well received, very well used um, and purchased option. Um, enterprise environment takes that to the next level, essentially, whereas it is able to do um, deployments and have the stand-up deployment tech, um, experience much tighter and more more sophisticated, right? So now with enterprise environments, uh, the user will be able to go to the same public cloud 
uh, IBM Public Cloud that they do now to deploy a public application, stand up an environment, decide how big they want it, look at the cost calculator and decide that's how much I'm going to have to pay per month uh, and, and or per hour. Um, where do I want to uh, deploy it in the world, right? It can be deployed in multiple zones throughout the world, um, allowing them to do th like geolocation limitations, for example, when certain um, countries mandate that their their um, data stay in country, it'll, it'll satisfy, or, or in certain zones, it'll satisfy that. So when you've decided all that, you basically uh, go ahead and hit create, and then you know a very, very short time later, an hour or two later, um, the environment stood up. And that's different from the current dedicated um, experience now. So at the end of the day, the, the function is largely the same. And certainly the Cloud Foundry and the certified version we use doesn't change at all. It's the same technology. But the experience of stand-up and some of the underlying operational details is far more superior. Is IBM the only vendor doing this? Uh, no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, the, the idea behind isolation is a, is a, is a well-known concept. You know, we didn't necessarily, um, you know, create that. But, you know, we realize with the other cloud vendors, it is important. And um, uh, in, in the Cloud Foundry Foundation, of which, of course, we're a part of, quite a few of the other vendors are working closely with us to make sure that the isolation technology works well, it works on top of Kubernetes very well, and that the kind of experiences that are done across the different vendors are fairly consistent. So we really gain from that close connection with the other Cloud Foundry vendors. So I'm in a week, I think, is our, probably our last question here. So, Carl, without, a, um, without giving me a URL that's about 80 feet wide, um, where can I find out more about Cloud Foundry Enterprise Environment? Is there, like, one simple thing? Could I just Google it? Yeah, so there's there's quite a bit of uh, uh, collateral out there now and information. The basic place to start is always IBM.com, the computing and IBM Cloud resources. There's uh, information about all the computes, and of course, Cloud Foundry is one of them. Um, on that site, it's going to have information about the Cloud Foundry enterprise environment. Um, and, and, and really, if you go into the IBM uh, Cloud console and you go to the catalog that allows you to purchase any one of our um, products, you can, you know, purchase Kubernetes or Cloud Foundry Public, and Cloud Foundry Enterprise Environment's right there, and it links off to all of our documentation, all the information you need to get started. So, Carl, it was awesome having you on the show today. Um, really good. Thank you for coming on, informing us, keeping us updated about Cloud Foundry. I'm really, really super excited, to be honest, about this one. I haven't really heard very much from Cloud Foundry over the last year, but obviously you guys have been... Yep. Hiding in the background, yep. figuring out everything and bringing something new and awesome to market. So, yeah. yeah, awesome stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me on. This is exciting to talk about the team, uh, the development team, the offering team, and everybody is very uh, pleased and excited about this. And we're looking forward to it. Thanks for being here. And guys, for myself and Steve, as always, thanks for joining in. See you next time on the IBM Cloud Podcast.